0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: If you're already on we know we fuck level. Right. Then just go ahead and do it first. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, New York Magazine's podcast about sex. I'm Maureen O'Connor, and with me today in studio is one of my favorite sex writers, Priscilla Pine. Welcome, Priscilla. Hi, thank you for
0: having me. Priscilla Pine is not your name, is it? No, it's not my real name. It's a pen name. Uh, Why? Uh, Well, I write a lot of different stuff, but because sex is such a sensitive topic uh, that I felt like writing it under an assumed name would give me a little bit more... uh, Space to explore things that might otherwise upset people I've dated in the past, or upset mm-hmm. my traditional employers. Because you work as a journalist
1: full time, right? In I work for in a, an industry that maybe isn't going to be down with you writing about sex.
0: I uh, work in an industry that's a little bit more conservative uh, for a trade publication, so. I wanted to give myself a little bit of space to explore some things that regular life constraints might otherwise stop me from exploring. And where did, how did you come up with Priscilla Pine? Uh well, I had a uh a stuffed pig <laughs> when I was when I was a kid, uh, a stuffed pig in a dress named Priscilla.
1: <laughs> Wait, did she come with the name Priscilla or you named her Priscilla?
0: I don't remember exactly. So. It it's might have name. been like on a tag or something, or it might have been <laughs> something my mom suggested. I was I was probably like four years old, mm-hmm. um, and uh, what better name for a sex writer than the name of a pig in a dress? <laughs> <laughs> it, it just felt really appropriate given the given the the subject matter. What about pine? Just fit that. Uh, I sat down with my first editor that I had uh, when I was doing this column at a at a different magazine, and we were trying to think of something that would uh, go with the first name that made it sort of clear that it might be an assumed name, yeah. instead of my real name, and that just sounded like uh, okay. like a really fake name.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and to be clear, that fake name is writing at the cut where I write also now. Yes, your article "Snapchat is for flirting." Yes, was fascinating to me. For many reasons. Among them, you sort of point out the way that we communicate in different apps is slightly different, Mm -hmm. and thus they're most useful for things. So tell me, how did this come about? How did you realize the true purpose of Snapchat?
0: I had not been a big Snapchat user until about a year ago, and I started talking uh, to this guy on Twitter who was a big Snapchat user Whenever I wanted to send him a picture, I would just take a picture with my regular camera and text it to him. Mm-hmm. And whenever he wanted to send me a picture, he would send me a Snapchat. <laughs> so I was like, I mean, because not necessarily dick pics, right? You're just right. being like the picture of him being like, here's
1: the soup I'm eating.
0: Right, exactly. It was just like very casual little stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think people have uh, an association with Snapchat that it is a sexting app, which it's a great sexting app. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's wonderful for that purpose. But also, it just sort of fosters a sense of casualness and intimacy. And like regular, like stupid little interactions. And you sort of get like a, it's like a short windows into people's days. Yeah. Um, Which I think is, uh, it, it makes it sort of ideal. Because the disappearing quality of the photos sort of forces the conversation forward.
1: Also, what you point out sort of is that when you actually reply immediately to somebody, that mm-hmm. is when things are flirtatious.
0: Right. Because flirtatious requires the back and forth rapport. Right. Yeah. That's something that's really hard to replicate in uh, digital spaces, I think, is the sort of banter quality. Yeah. In-person exactly. interaction has uh, because to banter, you have to sort of be playing off of each other. You sort of have to be reacting quickly and joking. And that's like a a super important element of romantic chemistry Mm -hmm. Um, and that with text messages and how we interact with text messages um, and private messages on Facebook or Twitter. I think that uh, that that sense of immediacy Mm -hmm. goes away, Uh, whereas with Snapchat, because everything there's so much churn. Yeah, um, it's sort of reintroduces that element of immediacy and uh, that sort of fosters the sort of lightning quick sort of chemistry that you might have with somebody when you're sitting with them in a bar on a first date or something like that.
1: Does Snapchat do the thing where you can see when someone's typing?
0: Yes. I can't remember. This is one of my favorite things about Snapchat. Not only can you see when somebody's typing or see when somebody's looking at the text message because Mm -hmm. a little blue dot pops up in the uh, message box if you're looking at it. But if somebody starts typing in their message box to you, and you're not even looking at Snapchat, you get a push notification.
1: Oh, my God. You're like, this person is thinking about you right now. He's thinking. He's starting. Yes.
0: (laughs) So it sort of, like, automatically pulls you in if you're, like, sort of interested in talking. And then if you get that push notification and immediately open the app, then the person on the other end sees your blue dot pop up and knows that you're there. she opened. She saw you typing, and now she's here. Right. She's here.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. It's It's like it being like, flirt now. Yes. Flirt now. Flirt now. (laughs) busy sorry but like yeah it's very it's very immediate this is so game changing because obviously I didn't flirt much on Snapchat. Right? It was like a brief moment, you
0: know, someone. I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't under. Uh-huh. I didn't understand it well enough to know the full power. <laughs> yes, there is the the best thing about Snapchat is all of that like meta information. Yeah, um, that you get about how people are behaving that otherwise uh, on like other messaging services, I think people try to avoid giving people that information. Yeah, and also all that meta information is the stuff that you. You get so much information when you're mm-hmm.
1: interacting with someone in person. Right. That you're watching, like, their body language. You're watching how long they pause between words, how what right. they're doing with their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm becoming really self-conscious as I say these things and continue to move my hands while speaking <laughs> to you. But, yeah, you lose so much of that. And right. it's like, obviously, it's different meta cues. But There's they still more. exist.
0: <laughs> you get that sort of uh, that sort of extra information about the interaction uh, that gets stripped out of a lot of private messaging on uh, on yeah. apps or on the computer, uh, because. Because there's no way to turn off any of that stuff in Snapchat. <laughs> they it, force you to do it. Right. You're If you want to participate in Snapchat, you have to give the people you're, you're talking to all of this information. It's crazy because when Snapchat started,
1: everybody acted like it was for, like, the bad things in your life. The secrets yeah. you don't want anyone the to know. dirty stuff. That disappears. But actually, <laughs> it sounds like what you're saying is that there's a forced
0: level of honesty. Right. Something that's great about Snapchat, as far as flirtation goes, is that... All of that information sort of encourages like a level of sort of naked thirst. (laughs) (laughs) And you want the apps that let you be nakedly thirsty. Right. Yeah. So it's okay to, you know, be the first to look at something new that somebody has put on their story. It's okay to open somebody's message immediately and respond uh, because the person on the other end is going to get all this information about how you interacted with what they put out there anyway. Mm -hmm. So like the trying to play it cool. You can't really play it cool on Snapchat. You really sort of, there's no point in putting in all that effort to seem like you don't care. It's an app where caring is fine. So let's talk
1: about flirting in
0: other mediums,
1: how it compares. Mm -hmm.
0: So I think of like, especially like Twitter DMs or maybe like Facebook messaging um, is sort of a precursor to like moving Mm -hmm. into like Snapchat flirting. Yeah. I would never send a nude over a Twitter DM. That seems (laughs) risky. Oh, my Um, God. That just sounds... (laughs) like I've definitely, like, texted nudes to people before, but I would not send a Twitter DM nude.
1: That's what Anthony Weiner was doing, and that did not turn out well for him. (laughs) No. He's the only person I've ever heard of who sent sexy pictures through Twitter. Yeah. And look how that ended.
0: Yeah. (laughs) A lot of things might have been different if Anthony Weiner had just use text messages.
1: If he'd only been on Snapchat. I know. If
0: only only Snapchat had been available back then. I had hoped to be able to continue the work that the citizens of my district elected me to do to fight for the middle class and those struggling to make it. Unfortunately, the distraction that I have created has made that impossible. Can you see who people follow on Snapchat? You cannot. You can't? You can't. That's why Snapchat is like I feel like the next level beyond, like, private messaging on other social apps because you it's sort of asking someone to, like, step into a private room with you. Oh. Because you can't see who else they follow. You can't see who follows them or how many followers they have. I need to know who's in all the other rooms. I know. It's very interesting. Uh, one thing that Snapchat does do is it sort of ranks the people that you talk to the most frequently. Hmm. Um you can see in your in the messages screen, you little emojis pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if like say there's someone who you message the most, and they also also message you the most of everybody that you follow on Snapchat, you will get a little heart emoji. Next to the message.
1: I recall that. You know what? That was part of when I, like, got annoyed with Snapchat. because I was like, I don't actually like that person best. Stop it.
0: (laughs) I know. Sometimes there there are times. Why did
1: you give a heart to that person but not my boyfriend? (laughs) Now I just
0: feel guilty. The guy that I've been involved with for a while is my, Mm. like, best friend right now. And if he wasn't, I would be irritated because, like, who else is he talking to? (laughs) Oh. Um, So it's reflecting whether you're his top two. Yes. It has to be mutual. Oh. Or you don't get the heart. Then if it's not mutual, if somebody is is your best friend Uh on Snapchat, but they're not yours, you can't graduate to heart level. You get like a little blushing smiley emoji. Oh, my God. Now I'm trying to like race
1: through my mind to think of whether I had a heart or a blushing smile and what it all means.
0: (laughs) Shit. And the thing about Snapchat, Snapchat is so opaque about this stuff that every time like a new like when I was getting used to using it, every time a new one, a new emoji would pop up next to somebody's name. I would have to like Google and be like, what the fuck does this mean? What What is Snapchat telling me about my relationship with this person? The heart is such a game changer. Yes. Knowing that you both talk to each other more than anyone mm-hmm. else. Oh, my God. Yes. Meta information. Snapchat provides all kinds of, like, little clues and little, uh, little stuff to tell you what's going on. I'm trying to think of what would happen in other parts of my life if there
1: was, like, the blushing smile versus the heart. Yeah. Of, like, if, say—think if there was a way to have your— blushing smile versus heart just about like your imaginative life or your like fantasy life or Mm -hmm. like how much you're thinking about that person right that's information
0: that would be very useful that we will hopefully never have right hopefully that stays a secret forever uh for now snapchat has got your back as far as the people you interact with and then below the tears below the uh the heart Emoji. Uh, then you then ha- can have like four or five good friends uh-huh. that are the people you talk to. Not as much as your best friend, but also but a lot and more than the more than the average person uh-huh. you talk to. And uh, is there a way to tell if that's mutual? No. The creepy thing about this, this one drives me insane Mm. um, because it'll show up if they're one of your best friends is a is like a blushing smiley face. But the other person, if it shows up for you, but you're you're not one of their best friends, it shows up as like a little side eye emoji (gasps) on theirs to tell them that you're one of their best friends, but uh, they're not one of yours.
1: So if you have your Snapchat Mm -hmm. and you have Maureen O'Connor and she's got a little side eye. That says, Maureen is so obsessed with you, but you're not that into her? Yes. That is so intense. I know, and that is the most accurate (laughs) description of what the side eye emoji
0: means. Yes, and I think that is universal and it
1: on every
0: fucking app. Oh my god, it's like the worst thing. And there's like somebody who I have one of those emojis with right now, (gasps) and I know, and and, uh, and she. So this person has mm
1: -hmm. a blushing smiley. This person doesn't know that you have a side eye.
0: No, it's the other way around. I have a blushing smiley, and I know this person uses Snapchat way way more than I do. So I know that uh, he probably has a side eye, and (sighs) I want to be like. I just don't send that many direct snaps.
1: You want to tell them. Yeah. like, I know you think I'm the side-eye girl, but like, please.
0: <laughs> this is not what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's like a very, and I don't know if it's really healthy to be <laughs> that worried about that. But uh, but it's something like That's when it popped so up much. the other day, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, well, then it's like you have to just, like, get someone else up
0: to blushing level and right. knock him out. Yeah. Oh, my God. The, the way that incentivizes interaction is just nuts. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and it's so, so complex. It's hard to even, like, explain. Yeah. Uh, and it's so complex, and they don't tell you anything about it at all within Snapchat. You have to, like, go searching for what all these different emojis mean. Oh, my God. Um, which is the most annoying
1: thing. But isn't that so true to life that you're, like, yeah. when someone makes a weird, like, side-eye face, you're like, wait, was what that a side-eye face? Or what did that mean? Yeah. Was that about this or was it about that? Why did he grimace? Was it about the whiskey he drank? Yeah. Or was it the joke I told? oh my god you know what all of a sudden i'm being like snapchat is so true to life and that makes it terrible (laughs) yeah
0: yeah there's definitely like a there's definitely like a flip side of it uh when you're the nature of your relationship with somebody changes and then suddenly you have all this information about how they're not interacting with you (laughs)
1: oh my god now i'm spinning through my mind of thinking of like all my ex-boyfriends i'm like was i the side eye
0: or was he the side eye yeah who was the side eye it's very uh it's an intimidating amount of information
1: that's also such an accurate depiction of when um, two people in a relationship don't realize that they're in the same relationship and right. you're like I have a beautiful blushing smiling relationship with this wonderful wonderful person yeah. and you're like oh shit this whole time he was planning to dump me Yeah, it was a side eye to him yeah
0: and on the other side the side eye emoji, this emoji is like bitch you thought
1: yeah that's what it is yeah. bitch you thought oh my god Yeah, this has changed everything for me have mm-hmm. you heard of the concept of the deep like this was a term coined by Anna Deutsch in L.com. in mm-hmm. 2013 and i still like, refer to it so frequently in my yeah. life um i've never heard it before what's so it? the deep like would be if um now this would exist on instagram flirtations facebook flirtations perhaps twitter depending um where somebody like adds you or they just go and they just clearly have scrolled a ways down yes. and then they like a picture from yes. like a year ago and that's the little signal that's like hey i'm into you enough that i scrolled that far to find that bikini picture
0: yes on twitter though you have the media tab so i have this one ex he was one of those dudes who like uh just never entirely goes away yeah just is always like hey just trying to remind you that i'm here so he like every like couple of months Mm -hmm. um he was not a big twitter user but he followed me and every couple of months he would just like scroll down my media tab and fave like my four most recent selfies or something like that Uh huh. and like if he just wanted to like look at some pictures of me and like reminisce and whatever then he could just do that without faving he didn't have the to fave, fave says them. hey the i'm fave fave looking says, at you hey remember me i'm looking i'm still here piece of shit he was one of those guys who who wanted to keep me around as like an option to like go get some drinks and like have a good time because we had like good interpersonal yeah. chemistry or whatever and have sex but he didn't he never wanted to do it on like my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> it was always like when he was interested in doing that that I would get some uh immediate tab deep dive and then Two weeks later, he would text me and be and like, like, oh, you just got dumped, didn't you? Hi. Yeah. Be like, oh, whoever you were bothering before has <laughs> already freaked out on you. Now yeah. it's my turn. Now it's my turn to have sex with you and then
1: become irritated with you. <laughs> I have a term for this. I call these the satellite men because they yeah. just orbit and orbit and orbit. And you're sort of like, and periodically, you know, their presence is made known when they're like their full moon of the satellite or right. whatever. Yes. They circle you. With the vague hope that if as they circle at some point they're going to crash back in, (laughs) which is precisely why you're like, is it safe? Is it going to stay at a safe distance? Yeah. Is it just going to like and, you know, I'm aware of its presence and I'm okay with that? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to fucking crash into me? Right. Yeah.
0: And most of the time it's okay, But then. But then. Then. (laughs) He was like a primary uh, offender of the deep like Mm. for me. Uh, the deep like can be very flattering, though. It can be. It can be. There- I'd say making a deep
1: like is kind of a bold move because mm-hmm. it, it really reveals, like, how interested you are in someone. Yes.
0: I will not make a deep like unless I want to be like, hey, FYI, I was, I went to your timeline to look yeah. at. Otherwise, I'm not faving anything over an hour old.
1: It's high risk because <laughs> if, like, someone deep likes me and I'm not into it, then I'm just like, eh, block. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Then it's like, nope. <laughs> the thing with the deep like is you have to be confident that it will be received yeah. well that somebody is going to be interested in that level of thirst from you yes you have to budget the deep likes yes <laughs> very very
1: true yes another of my favorite articles of yours mm-hmm. the secret to a good date have sex first yes I am wondering uh-huh. would you read the first three paragraphs would you like to do a reading yes I will do I it because <laughs> I just find it so perfect
0: Last summer, I found myself being led through Williamsburg by the hand. On the way to the apartment of Matthew, a guy I had been seeing casually and happily for a couple months. It was 90 degrees out at 9 p.m., and I was full of the Commodore's fried chicken thighs and mad as hell. By itself, nothing about the scenario was bad. Summer is my favorite season. Fried chicken is my favorite food. Emotionally undemanding men with impressive penises are my favorite people to date casually. He had his own place, and his sex playlist (laughs) always contained at least one song I liked enough to ask him about afterward. He ate pussy both enthusiastically and well. The whole scenario was an embarrassment of riches. The problem, though, was that I was fairly drunk, full of deep-fried meat, and headed to an apartment in which an air conditioner had not been running all day— Once there, a 200-pound man planned to lie on top of my sweaty, food-swollen body for an indeterminate amount of time. Before he did that, he was going to peel off the jorts I had been wearing all day at work and all night in a poorly climate-controlled dive bar and put his face between my legs until I came twice. Once for real, a second time to assure him he had done a good job. The first time, and we could move on.
1: (laughs) It's so true. So then you propose, right, that if you're already on we-know-we-fuck level. Right. Right. Then just go ahead and do it first. Do you just say it explicitly? Like, come over to my house and then we'll go out to dinner.
0: Yes. And I have like a pretty straightforward personality like that anyway. So mostly men who are attracted to me would be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna make me bloated and gross yeah we fuck
1: first right or like that's gonna make me bloated and gross and then we can just snuggle because yeah that's what we, we can fuck in the morning yeah
0: <laughs> we can fuck in the morning is the true sign of like <laughs> yeah like oh i'm tired i'm full i'm a little drunk we can fuck in the morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's usually something that like i would advise in most scenarios do it after you've had sex once or twice already yeah you know if it's somebody maybe if it's somebody you've like known a long time and just like never had sex with them and you know them pretty well yeah then maybe it would work in that scenario yeah once you also you're like oh you already saw my apartment I don't gotta clean this shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah once you put once you put the clean apartment face forward once you're like Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now we get sloppy. (laughs) Yeah. I I am not like a particularly neat person. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't make my bed. I don't, you know, there's a pizza box on the floor of my bedroom right now, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is gross. I got to pick that up. Have you ever walked in somewhere and been like, I can't be here? Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And like the very, very specific person uh, comes to mind. It was uh, I went on like one. OK, keep a date with this guy and he lived in like Carroll Gardens or something. And I was like, oh, I'm sure he has like a nice place. Carroll Gardens is a nice neighborhood, lots of nice buildings over there. No, I walked into his apartment and it, first of all, uh, stank of cigarettes. Oh, no. Like, the guy was an indoor smoker, uh-huh. uh, which is uh, terrifying because uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I don't smoke at all. And even all my friends that smoke know to not do it in their apartments regularly. Um, mm-hmm. But this guy was an, an indoor smoker and I think also kind of a hoarder. Oh. Like, his mattress and his box spring were on the floor, which is the first time I had honestly encountered that in New York. And this guy was, like, 35 years old. He was not 22 in bushwick he had like a real job but his apartment was filthy it was like all kinds of like books and newspapers and just like general clutter and Mm. stuff I didn't really want to have sex with him anyway, but also it was like the middle of the night and I was super drunk and in Carroll Gardens and I don't live anywhere near Carroll Gardens. So I was like, well,
1: (laughs) um, (laughs) what am I going to do? Sleep in this like stinky horde pot
0: or? Yeah. I told him I was on my period and I blew him and we went to sleep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You really cut your losses there. Yeah.
0: I was like, what can I do here (laughs) to make, to not have to have sex with this guy, but also to not have to go home (laughs) right now. (laughs)
1: i wonder if anyone else has had the experience of walking into someone's house and being like i can't have sex here or like what would make you be like oh shit um and i also am so curious if our listeners want to call in you can always leave a voicemail for us at 646-494-3590 and what apps or texting communication methods are more or less flirtatious for you or drive you totally crazy and you're like, I refuse to speak to you on Snapchat. I can't deal with the blue dot and the blushy face smiles. (laughs) Um, That's it for Sex Lives. Thank you to our guest, Priscilla Pine. And as a reminder, you can reach us on that voicemail line, 646-494-3590. Call in, tell us about your Valentine's Day, hoarder apartments you fled because you couldn't hook up there, and all manners of side-eye and blushy smile in your life. (laughs) Uh, Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Alana Milner. Thanks also to Andy Bowers and Laura Merritt Panoply. That's all for this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming, Priscilla. This is fun. You should definitely come back more. <laughs> yes, I would love to come back. <laughs> <laughs>